Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Redestein tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Thanks for listening to the best of Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. If I'm a Laker fan, what makes me nervous this morning as I am starting off my day is this. Damian Lillard paced himself to grab your still beating heart and hold it up above your head late in the game. He knew that the Lakers didn't have the offensive firepower that he was not required to to completely come in and go full throttle throughout this game. He waited until it was Dame time, and then he took this game over. This is what it sounded like when the Lakers' back broke. Dame top of the key takes another deep three. It's good from Dame distance. It is Dame time in the fourth quarter. There you go. That was the shot that broke the Lakers and raises so many interesting questions going forward about the Lakers and LeBron and everything else surrounding their hoped-for defense of, uh, of the, the legacy of the Lakers and LeBron's decision to go west and join the, one of the most storied franchises in all of sports. Now, it's early. It's one game. But this didn't feel like an aberration. The Bucks lost to the Magic, and if you watched any of that game, you may well feel like ah, that wasn't really reflective of what's likely to happen in the series going forward. This was almost exactly what I thought would happen. I thought the Blazers would come out hot in the first quarter because they've been playing a lot of games that matter, and they would get up early, 
And then I expected that the Lakers would perform better than they did. Not scoring 100 points and finding a way to lose this game. Because make no mistake about it, the Lakers found a way to lose this game. They were up six points with around four minutes to go, which was the biggest lead they had in the entirety of the uh, of the game, I believe. The Lakers shot five of 31 from three. They're the only team to not hit 100 points in the playoffs in the first couple of nights. I just don't see how you can watch this team and think they are well-constructed or likely to win a championship this year. Now, again, there are lots of things that can change going forward, but when you look at the overall talent on this Laker team, and I know Rondo could come back, and I know uh, there could be uh, movement in terms of uh, the team just not shooting as awful as they did, the trend lines are pretty consistent here. This has not been a team that played well in the bubble at all. And I want you to just think about the different playmakers that the Portland Trailblazers have compared to what the Lakers have right now, okay? On any given night, I feel very good about the possibility of four Blazers going out and scoring 20-plus. C.J. McCollum, Damian Lillard, Nurkic, and, believe it or not, Carmelo Anthony. Especially Carmelo, because almost every shot he gets is wide open at this point, because Lillard and McCollum are so hard to defend. And that's not even counting Zach Collins, who's injured, but at times has the ability to make big plays. And it's not even counting... Gary Trent Jr., who seems to throw in a crucial three in almost every game that the Blazers play. When you look at the Lakers, you have Antonio Davis, you have LeBron James, and then there's nobody else there. Kuzma at times can show up. He didn't show up very much last night. He had one stretch where he scored, I think, like six straight points uh, for the Lakers, but otherwise one for five for three for 14 points. I want you to listen to everybody else that's on the Lakers team. Caruso, good defensive player, can be a role scorer, not a shooter. 0 for 3 from 3, 1 for 6 from the floor, 2 points. Morris, not much, right? Hit one big 3, 5 points, not much there. Dwight Howard, defensive player, shell of the player on the offensive side of the ball that he was at one point. Danny Green, not good enough to be the third best option on this team. Caldwell Pope is just pure trash. 29 minutes, 0 for 9 from the floor, 0 for 5 from 3. Uh, And JaVale McGee, like, again, good for an occasional layup, maybe a rebound and a putback. There's nobody who can go get their bucket. The third outlet here is really not very substantial. And I want you to think about this. The Lakers shot 15% from three, 35% from the floor, and LeBron still had 16 assists. How many assists would LeBron have had if he had a really good shooting team? And here's the other challenge. I don't think LeBron can play better. I really don't think he can do better than 23, 17, and 16. LeBron played his A-plus game. 
He was 12-1 and in first-round games coming into this one in his career. First-round first games, I should say. 12-1 and in the very first game of a series. He's now 12-2. and I don't know exactly how this plays going forward because there is no ability out there right now uh, to uh, even quantify the, the home court advantage because ordinarily if you lose game one at home and you fought all season to get the home court advantage, it matters a great deal. I really don't think that's going to be the case in any way going forward at all. So a loss really doesn't impact you in the same way. But similarly, you're now in game two not coming back for a massive, rabid home court environment. The Blazers could come out and win game two as well. Now, the flip side is going down 0-2 isn't as big of a deal because you're not going back on the road somewhere and walking into some fevered environment either. I think this is going to be more of a marathon and less of a sprint as you work your way through in this series. So, big win, huge win for the Portland Trailblazers. If you are a uh, Adam Silver right now or you are an NBA executive, you are absolutely terrified that the Blazers could come out and destroy your bubble ratings because if LeBron were to lose in the first round, a ton of people disappear and never come back when it comes to the NBA audience which, by the way, uh, is down 45%. So does social media is not real life because there's so many cheerleaders for the NBA. Since 2012, the national audience for games for Major League Baseball and the NFL is relatively flat. In the NBA, it's down 45%. And then you toss in all of the politics that they are bringing to bear this year, and I know there are a lot of you listening to me right now saying, oh, Clay, I don't even care about the NBA at all because they've gone so fully woke that I'm not even going to put it on. I understand that argument. I watch every sport regardless of what the politics is that's being espoused, and last night's game uh, and really the entire bubble performance by Damian Lillard has been otherworldly He's been like Steph Curry on steroids. The shots that he takes and the shots that he hit uh, are pretty extraordinary. And there was a lot of questions about whether maybe he had burned out all of his energy, all of his intensity, all of his ability to take over games just to get the Portland Trailblazers into the playoffs. But I got to say, having watched this game, again, he paced himself. I think the Pacers, sorry, I think the Trailblazers believe they are the better team here. I think they thoroughly expect to win this series. And the uh, the, the Lakers, I said before this season, uh, this, this, this playoff series began that I thought it would go six and that the Lakers would win. I'm not going to change that prediction right now, but I'm starting to wonder whether seven games is going to happen and whether it's going to take every ounce of the Laker ability to be able to get a win here. Let me bring in the crew. Danny G, you are uh, the king of the Laker fans. What did you see? What have I missed so far in analyzing game one from your perspective? Well, going into this, we heard that the Trailblazers didn't have the defense to stop LeBron and AD. But I'm watching Hassan Whiteside, and he was a major factor in that game. 
In fact, um, watching the Trailblazers during the bubble and the nice run they went on, I couldn't help but at times watch Whiteside and think to myself, man, the Lakers should have traded for him. He's so good at the rim. He changed uh, LeBron's shots a few times as LeBron drove. So got to give him a shout out because uh, he definitely made a difference for their defense. But I kind of expected this going in just because the Lakers hadn't been playing like a one. And obviously the Trailblazers are not your run of the mill eight. So they this, were in the Western Conference Finals last year. Right. And this felt more like a 2-4 type matchup where if the Clippers would have played their players all throughout the season, they might have finished one. Lakers might have finished two. The way the Lakers were playing, though, going into March, they were on a roll. I mean, yeah, they're shooting. They had their struggles at the three-point line and the free-throw line. Overall, they found ways to get it done, and then they go into the bubble, and it was like they were completely cold. Their shooting was off, and if we've seen anything in Orlando, it's that it favors the sharp shooters. It's almost like without all those thousands of rowdy fans, you have more of a focus on just stroking your shot, and that's obviously played into the favor of the Trailblazers at the end of that game. You need to play to your strength, and... When the Lakers were driving to the hoop and actually finishing at the hoop, they controlled the game. But at the end of the game, when LeBron and AD were taking step-back threes and missing those four free throws in a row, that's when I knew they were in trouble. As far as that third quarter with Lillard not being a big factor, you mentioned he came alive in the fourth. I think he paced himself. When he needed to. I mean, I cringed when certain Lakers were switching late on him. And we saw this. So were they not watching these bubble games? Because you cannot let Lillard get the ball cleanly past half court. Once he releases, he gets a shot off and it usually goes in. He's probably the best shooter right now in the NBA. And I couldn't help but miss Avery Bradley. He would normally be the guy there also to take a big three for the Lakers at the end of the game, but he's not there. Lakers need to get past that. No excuses. They need to bounce back in the same way that Damian Lillard bounced back when the Clippers were teasing him on the court and torturing him on IG and Instagram and all that and their little feud they had. When Lillard missed those two important free throws to lose to the Clippers, you saw how he responded And now LeBron and AD need to do that same thing because those four straight free throws they missed at the end of the game, to me, was the difference there. Those were big misses. Uh, But I would say for the Blazers, they feel like they're playing with house money right now. All throughout the bubble, they knew they had to play almost flawless basketball in order to advance into the playoffs at all. And I said this on Fox Bet Live on Lock It In, coming into the game on Monday, I said, what I really feel is that the Lakers, Tuesday, the Lakers now are trying to prove that they can win in the bubble. I feel like the Blazers know that they can. And unlike when they had to go, I mean, look, the the Blazers now are eight and two since they got to Orlando. And one of those losses, as you mentioned, the Blazers feel like they completely gave away down the stretch when Damian Lillard missed two free throws and really kind of took his game to the next level after that frustration and that failure. And I, you said that Damian Lillard is shooting out of his mind. I think right now Damian Lillard might be shooting as well as anyone has ever shot in the history of the NBA. That sounds like hyperbole, but the shots that he is taking, the degree of difficulty involved in them right now, I know Steph Curry revitalized the game and really kind of changed it by extending his range 
and proving that a great shooter can make shots from anywhere. But Damian Lillard has taken, to me at least, the Steph Curry angle and uh, and made it even wilder. Because if you remember, when Steph Curry started draining shots from all over the court, a big part of that was people weren't defending him because they thought, hey, this is not a, uh, this is not a makeable shot. Damian Lillard is getting defended, basically, at least when he's defended well, the moment that he crosses half court. He's getting almost no open looks. There's almost no point in time where somebody breaks down the defense, kicks it to him, and there's nobody close to him. I mean, his man, it doesn't matter what happens anywhere else, is not leaving him. I remember, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly, one open three, maybe, that he had last night. And it just doesn't happen in the game. And yet he is hitting shots with a degree of difficulty, the likes of which I'm not sure we have ever seen before. And again, he scored 34 last night. And you felt like in general, for much of the game, he was not going full on because he knew he was going to be needed uh, late in the game. And there was that, after that big three he hit, I think to go up, uh, to put the Blazers up three, we heard the audio from it. They flipped uh, to the bench, and you could see Nurkic there tapping his uh, tapping his wrist, where ordinarily you would have a watch. And he said, "It's Dame time." He feels like he's going to make the big shot. And by the way, C.J. McCollum feels the same way. You have two guys who it appears believe that they can get their shot at any point in time that they need it. And uh, and and look with Nurkic coming back along. He had a ho-hum game, it felt like, and he went for 16 and 15. You mentioned Whiteside and what he's capable of from a defensive perspective. I would say this about LeBron. At 35 years old, he is still an unbelievable player. But when he gets to the rim now, he doesn't always finish like he used to finish. And, And that's probably the biggest criticism I think you can make of LeBron's game, which is almost non-existent in terms of criticism. Watch when he gets to the rim, and not just because you got a guy like Whiteside who will come out of nowhere and block a shot pretty regularly. He had some incredible plays, Whiteside did. But LeBron just, it feels like a lot of times now he gets to the rim, but he's not able to finish in the same way he was in his 20s. He just doesn't have that extra jolt of energy that's necessary to rise up and be able to finish. If you go back and watch and you just put together a, uh, a series of, uh, of, 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 of clips of LeBron getting to the basket last night and not finishing, I don't think you would have seen very many of those when he was still in his 20s. What stood out to you, Dub, about this game? Well, a lot of things stand out. Obviously, 5 for 32 from 3, it, you're probably not going to beat anybody with those numbers. Also, Anthony Davis, I mean, he had a great first half, 21 points, I believe, in the first half. He finished with 28, so he only had seven And a lot of those the points, by the way, for Anthony Davis were from the free throw line. He really didn't dominate like I anticipated he would inside. Absolutely. I mean, Hassan Whiteside, Danny G was right. Hassan Whiteside was maybe, you know, obviously other than Lillard. His, his role he played on the defensive end was probably MVP status for this game because he was absolutely shutting people down at the rim, making life incredibly difficult for the Lakers, but... And you touched on this, that there's no shooters. And uh, I've watched Danny Green play a lot, obviously, as uh, a former Spur. He is a, an incredibly streaky shooter. And last night he didn't have it. Who knows what happens next time. But if if the Lakers are going to win this series, they need someone to step up from the outside and make some three-point shots. And Danny Green 
is probably going to have to be that guy, and he can be that guy. But last night, two for eight from three is not going to get it done. And you're right, I have no idea how LeBron had 16 assists. When you take a look at some of these shooting numbers from the Lakers, he could have had 25 if they had even just a decent shooting night last night. Yeah, and that's the Rondo edition. Everybody knows Rondo shoots threes like he's throwing grenades. You know, like I mean, you have no idea what's going to happen. It's been his case for his entire career. Everybody lags off of him. If anything, that is not going to change very much the likelihood of anybody making threes for the Lakers. They just don't have that player. And I wonder on some level whether, you know, LeBron has usually always had a Kyle Korver-like guy who you could completely rely on uh, to be able to make outside shots. And that player just doesn't exist. And you're right. uh, Maybe Danny Green's going to get streaky. Maybe Caldwell Pope will come in and hit some threes as well. Somebody's going to uh, to have to. I don't feel like game two is a must-must win for the Lakers. And what I mean by that is, ordinarily, you'd have to be at home and win game two or the season would be over. But now that every game is effectively the same, I don't feel like it's impossible for the Lakers to go out and win four out of five if they lose game two. But I do feel like psychologically this Blazer team winning game one and winning it in a way, again, I just look at the way Damian Lillard played. It was as if he expected to win this game and knew exactly how it was going to go down. The self-confidence that the, the Blazers are playing with and the confidence that they all have in Damian Lillard, I mean, just witness the two big threes that got drained by other guys. Carmelo Anthony, drain that three great pass from Lillard I believe it was to put the Blazers up six and then Gary Trent Jr. who'd missed shots all game uh he just stepped up and hit the dagger three that basically ended this thing and uh and again LeBron had been 12 and one in game ones of first round series now he's 12 and two and I just think what we saw was the Laker pratfalls being exposed what about you Eddie Garcia did you even watch this welcome back and did you even watch this game, or were you watching hockey instead? Well, I monitored it, which is to say I checked in occasionally, but you know I'm watching the hockey playoffs. Yeah. But I, I, I will just, as a very casual NBA fan, say that this doesn't surprise me because Portland's been in playoff mode for weeks, and the Lakers have been going through the motion. So yeah. I, I just The intensity level was substantially different right out right, of the gate. Right, so as it goes on in a seven-game game series, you would think that LeBron and Anthony Davis in the end will be more than Damian Lillard can overcome, but we'll see. What about you, Roberto? As a Laker fan, you nervous? Uh, no, not yet. I, uh, the Lakers were terrible. I mean, you, you said LeBron did play an A-plus game, but his game in the fourth quarter was an F-minus and missed those two free throws after Anthony. I think LeBron burned himself out. Uh, I do, because he had to work so hard to keep the Lakers in this game. I was uh, texting with buddies watching this game, and uh, and I sent that, you know, like in the second and third quarter, I felt like LeBron went to the tank early, and I, I think he may have burned himself out a little bit late as the opposite of Damian Lillard, who seemed as if he were making sure he was ready he still and, had his legs for and late. I, I gotta also admit I'm not the I'm, I wasn't the biggest LeBron James fan before he came to the Lakers and one of the things that always bugged me about how he got all this praise and saying people said he was better than Jordan or better than Kobe was how he he always does this in in, in games where in playoff games where he misses fourth quarter free throws and I and he did it in this game with the Lakers and then a clutch three-pointer that he missed down the stretch was also crucial 
Was he also took cruising. the one three. What was Damian Lillard distance? I think that was in yeah. the fourth quarter. Yeah, that's that was the one. Yeah, towards the, like four minutes left in the game. Felt like a totally wasted possession yes. when he pulled up from there and tried to take that three, and it seemed to come out of nowhere. Uh, all right, when we come back, we'll continue to break this down uh, and talk about the other stories that are out there. Big Ten crisis arguably continuing to grow. I want to talk about it uh, as the college football uh, days of our lives theme should be playing in the background for Kevin Warren and everyone in the Midwest who is furious over the Big Ten. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Hey, it's Jonas Knox, and you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o o who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. we got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini-games like Digging for Treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! What's the secret to catching prize-worthy fish in exotic waters? Learning to fish like a local with Fishing Booker. Hey, Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. There's only one way to turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day, and that's with the valuable knowledge of a local guide. With FishingBooker.com, you have the world's largest booking platform of local fishing guides right at your fingertips. Use Fishing Booker's easy-to-use online booking system and discover thousands of local fishing charters from around the world ready to share their trips 
tricks of the trade. Create your perfect fishing experience and search for charters by location, species, salt versus freshwater, and more. Plus, it's smooth sailing with Fishing Booker's simple online payment method. You'll always fish with confidence when you start fishing like a local. Start your angling adventure now with Fishing Booker. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Michelin tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended install near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerackcom sports to see their michelin test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerackcom sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be uh, obviously, big reaction to the fact that the Lakers lost and uh, that the Portland Trailblazers won. I would say, you know, sometimes you say, hey, was this more of a team losing or another team winning? I thought the Trailblazers just grabbed control of this game in the final five minutes and it became Dame time. Uh, and I'm going to ask Danny G to play the shot that broke the Lakers back one more time. You get across half court, you're near the logo. Damian Lillard can pull up at any moment. It's a tie game. You talk about ice water in the veins. This is what it sounded like when Damian Lillard gave the Blazers the lead. They would never relinquish and led them to the game one victory. Dame top of the key takes another deep three. It's good from Dame distance. It is Dame time in the fourth quarter. All right, that was the Portland Trailblazer Radio Network. Obviously, I love this Blazer team. I've been watching them in the bubble. I understand some of you are frustrated about uh, the intense politicization that the NBA has embraced. I understand it, but I like watching Dame Lillard play. He's been one of the great stories of the return of sports. Eight and two, the Portland Trailblazers have now gone in that bubble in Orlando. C.J. McCollum, Damian Lillard, Uh, You look at this team and watch the way they play. Even Carmelo Anthony, who is still at 36, a shell of his former self, Nurkic. uh, Everything that they did, this is a better basketball team than the Lakers top to bottom. I said top to bottom. LeBron and Anthony Davis are probably the two best players on the court in virtually any series they play in. But when you look at this Trailblazer team and what they are capable of from a healthy perspective, uh, they would have been, I think, a four or five seed if they had been able to stay healthy. They were in the NBA's Western Conference Finals last year. These guys know what it's like to be on the big stage. And right now, Damian Lillard might be, might be hotter as a shooter than anybody has ever been in the history of the NBA. The degree of difficulty on the shots that he is taking and making uh, is simply through the roof. Hassan Whiteside played really, really well, uh, protecting the rim, gave him 26 solid minutes. Nurkic, who a lot of people overlook, but man, he's a difference maker inside. 16 and 15 for Nurkic as well. And uh, the, the Blazers 
just have guys who can make big shots at the right moment. Uh, even Carmelo Anthony went with 11, 10, and 5, didn't shoot that well. Almost all of his shots are wide open. I think this Blazer team has a real chance to pull off the upset. But that is what happened in the NBA from a large perspective there. We'll go down to the bubble in the third hour of this program and talk with Chris Mannix live in Orlando and see what he thinks through the first now complete uh, series of games in the first round. Everybody's game one is over. What has he learned of the 16 teams that have played? But there is drama brewing, and it is fascinating to follow. And this story comes from Jeff Snook, who covers Ohio State and is a guy that has gotten a lot right over the years. And what he is reporting is pretty jaw-dropping. He is reporting that Ohio State's athletic director is, this is his headline, working on a plan to get five other Big Ten teams to participate in a 10-game schedule this fall. Here's what I'm reading. Uh, Athletic director Gene Smith, uh, according to, again, Jeff Snook, with the full support of school president-elect Christina Johnson, has been working behind the scenes for the past six days to organize fellow Big Ten Conference athletic directors to convince at least five other university presidents to move forward with a 10-game season to be played among six teams, a source familiar with the movement said. Uh, In a proposed format, each team would play the other five Big Ten teams twice once at home and once on the road, beginning either September 26th or October 3rd. The season would conclude by mid-December. There would be no Big Ten title game. As Again, I'm reading from a report from Jeff Snook, who covers Ohio State. Uh, Many of you may know him uh, as Buckeye Media. He's written several books Uh, This is a guy who I'd like to get on the radio program and have him lay out this out more uh, more detail. But as of Tuesday night, the source claimed Penn State President Eric Barron, Nebraska Pet President Walter Carter, and Iowa President Bruce Harold are on board with the new plan. The group is trying to convince two other universities, the University of Wisconsin and the University of Michigan, to join them Uh, and the talk is they really need to get Wisconsin and Michigan on board alongside of Nebraska, Penn State, and Iowa uh, as well as Ohio State. This is an unprecedented rebellion that could be brewing in the Big Ten. Again, this report from Jeff Snook that went up late Tuesday night is that the Ohio State Buckeyes are trying to put together a rebellion to play a Big Ten season of sorts, which would involve basically a home-and-home with six different Big Ten teams signed up. Iowa, Nebraska, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, and Wisconsin, arguably the six biggest brands in the Big Ten, to thumb their nose at the Big Ten Conference Commissioner Kevin Warren and the other presidents who shut down football in the state. Holy cow, if this report is accurate, get your popcorn. This is flat out unbelievable. Danny G, when you hear this, 
this idea, and again, I just told you to reach out to Jeff Snook. I'm not an expert, okay? I'm not an expert in Big Ten media. Uh, this guy is uh, Jeff Snook. Um, is is an he's author. credible. Yeah. yeah, he's he's a uh, graduate of Ohio State's uh, School of Journalism. He's written 14 books, uh, including four that have focused on Ohio State. Uh, he has also written books on the Oklahoma Sooners, the Nebraska Cornhuskers, and the Florida Gators. Uh, and uh, so, again, 14 books he has authored, and uh, and he is posting that on his Facebook page. Uh, this guy is not on Twitter, uh, but he's pretty plugged in with Ohio State and uh, and and has broken prior stories related to the Buckeyes. This would be an unbelievable uh, storyline to follow, right? Yeah, he is legit. Uh, this would be insane. Now, besides the obvious, what do you think the major hurdles will be? Well, I mean, again, is I, this is I've got to put my lawyer hat on. I mean, I had this question from the get-go, all right? So I always think, like, what are the consequences if you are in the Big Ten shoes and you decided to play a football game and the Big Ten wasn't allowing it? Is the Big Ten going to kick Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State and Wisconsin and Iowa and Nebraska out of the conference? I think the answer is no, right? So... What would happen if these schools decided to stage their own home-and-home seasons? I don't understand what the Big Ten would be able to do to them. Now, there are obviously a lot of complicating factors. For instance, how would this work from a television perspective? Like, how would it play out that these schools were playing home-and-homes? How would that work? I don't know the answer on that from television perspective. Uh, I don't know what the contracts would read, but I think increasingly, you just heard uh, in the last segment, we took calls and you had a former Iowa football player who called in. The people who are alums of Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Iowa, Nebraska, they're fed up and they're getting more fed up because in addition to it appearing more and more likely that the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12 are going to play. In addition to that, you're also now talking about all of these schools having fans. So it's not just that they're planning to play, it's that they're planning to play with fans present. Just yesterday, Alabama announced they were expecting 20% attendance. Tennessee, the University of Tennessee, announced they were expecting 25% attendance. And Texas A&M announced that they were expecting 30% attendance. This squares roughly, I believe, Texas Tech, for instance, has announced that they're expecting 25% attendance. The University of Texas is going to have fans present. There are, I think, virtually every SEC school, based on the people that I'm talking to, are, is going to have around 20 or 25% fans present in their stadiums. That's where I think we're headed for the early games in September. It's possible they could adjust and go up or down as you move into October and November. But you're talking about not just playing games, but 25% of fans present. Well, look, if Nebraska and Iowa were playing games, they would have fans present as well, right? I mean, this is not 
a uh, this is not a crazy idea. And so I have reached out to a lot of Buckeye fans that I know uh, who are, uh, you know, sort of dyed in the wool, plugged into the media before I wanted to go public with uh, this uh, Jeff Snook report. And uh, and they're all saying, look, this dude is a huge Buckeye fan. He is plugged in pretty well into uh, into Ohio State. This is not a crazy off-the-wall report about the idea of all these schools trying to set up their own home-and-homes to potentially play a 10-game schedule of home-and-homes in the Big Ten. Dub, when you hear this, this is wild, right? This would be a crazy, crazy outcome. But again, I think there are Nebraska and Iowa fans who are like, man, we are fed up. Not only would we play in Nebraska and in Iowa, we would have fans present. I think Nebraska and Iowa are a lot like the SEC and the Big 12 schools. They would have 25% or so of the fans present in their stadiums. They don't just want to play. They want to have fans present. Yeah, absolutely. And no disrespect to the Purdue's or the Illinois of the world, but these teams are the Big Ten for the most part. These are the blue bloods of the conference. And if these are the teams that are saying, you know what, screw this. We're playing football this year. We're getting a group of six of us, and we're going to play each other twice, a home-and-home and we're going to have a season, what is the Big Ten really going to do? What is Kevin Warren going to do? Like you said, they're not getting kicked out of the conference because if these teams got kicked out of the conference... The conference doesn't exist. Exactly. So they're using their leverage, and I love it. They want to play football. They think it's safe to play football. The Southeastern Conference is playing. The ACC is playing. The Big 12 is playing. And yesterday we had the conversation about the College Football Playoff Committee and the potential of them picking the four teams and the Big Ten not even being involved because they didn't play a season. Ohio State is not going to stand for that, and a lot of these other teams aren't going to stand for that either. So they're going to do their best to have a season, and I hope they I, I hope they do it. This makes me also think, again, we didn't have an official vote, which is why I would be exploring the idea of filing a lawsuit over the Big Ten season being shut down. We didn't have an official vote. But this makes me think, if this were to happen – that the vote may have been 8-6 to to cancel the season if they had actually put the university presidents on the record. Because if these six schools are willing to play and if their university presidents will support the idea of them playing the home-and-home, it's basically an FU to the conference and to Kevin Warren, not only for the decision, but the way the decision was made. And that's why I'd be exploring a lawsuit. If I were a politician uh, representing the state of Iowa, representing the state of Nebraska, representing Ohio, Pennsylvania, any of these states where people have come out strongly, the governor, senators, all these people who have said, hey, we disagree with the way the Big Ten decision is made. How can you cancel the Big Ten fall season without a vote actually happening? Moreover, how can you cancel the season without requiring these presidents to publicly put their name behind the decision. I've been on this for weeks now on this show. I understand that everybody doesn't agree. on. Certainly in 2020, there's a huge disagreement on a variety of different issues every single day. But how can you not require the university presidents to put their name behind the decision that they're making? You want to cancel the Big Ten season, fine. Your name needs to be, as the president of the university, connected to a yes or no vote that is publicly reviewable. You can't go into a meeting, lock the door, 
not allow anybody to know what actually took place in there and not actually have a on-the-record vote about whether or not to cancel the season. I think what happened is the Big Ten was trying to bully the rest of college football into shutting down. And they thought, hey, we're the Big Ten. We're the straw that stirs the college football drink. The SEC, the Big 12, the ACC, they're going to get in line if we cancel this season. They're not going to have any other option. And what happened is this is blown up in the Big Ten's face because the other conferences said, no, 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 we don't agree with this decision. We're not going to let you bully us into shutting down. And instead of the focus being on the SEC, the Big 12, and the ACC playing, the focus right now, I believe, is all on the Big Ten not playing. In other words, this thing has blown up in the Big Ten's face in a massive way. Eddie, when you hear this story, are you as like holy crap as I am about the idea? I love it. I I endorse it. I give props to Iowa, Nebraska, Ohio State, Penn State, Wisconsin, Michigan, if they're trying to make this happen. But this would be an unbelievable rebellion against Kevin Warren's leadership in the Big Ten, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I I will admit that I'm pretty familiar with how things work as far as commissioners in professional leagues. I I have to admit I I wasn't all that up to date on how it works as far as commissioners of a football conference in college football. Uh, And I assumed that, you know, much like owners would vote on things in the NFL, that university presidents would have to vote on things or or I'm shocked if you know Kevin Warren took it upon himself basically to make this decision or if there was something behind closed doors where it was like hey take the heat for us Uh, you know this is our decision as much as you said the presidents do need to put their names on it and be held accountable if they did in fact want this to happen but now the blowback is coming back the other way and a lot of these I think these presidents are realizing this was a, a mistake and we said at the time why are they doing this so early why not wait until the last possible second if you're going to make this decision to do this? Why not have put, and this is my argument as well, they could have followed the lead of the SEC and pushed all the way back to September 26th because I've been saying this for weeks on the show as well. The SEC anticipated that when college kids got back on campus, they were going to have new rates of infection, right? That there were going to be new coronavirus outbreaks, that people were going to lose their mind. We've seen it at UNC. We've seen it at Notre Dame. Certainly, every university is going to have kids that get sick uh, with the virus. And by get sick, I mean mostly test positive and not even know they have this virus because that's the way a huge percentage of college kids are going to experience the coronavirus. They're only going to know they have this illness because they tested for it. It, for most of them, is either asymptomatic or it's like a cold And so it's not a severe health consequence. But the Corona Bros in the media lose their mind. And when the Corona Bros in the media lose their mind, the university presidents feel pressure. And so the SEC knew this was going to happen. All the kids get back on campus. The infection rate goes up in August. All the kids are partying. All the kids are chasing boys and girls. Whatever it is, if you went to college, you know the vibe. And then what happens is hopefully things start to stabilize and the football team can continue to train and everything else and that by the end of September, things are looking better in terms of the overall coronavirus infection rates, which is certainly the case right now. 
And if you look all over the South and all over the Big 12, the rates of infection are collapsing in those states. And so by Labor Day, we may well have a situation in the South that's very similar to New York where there isn't a very substantial rate of infection. And oh, by the way, the rate of death was a fraction in the South of what it was in New York and New Jersey. And so then you're in a position in the SEC and the Big 12 and the ACC states, many of which are Southern, to be able to play the season. And the Big 10 could have theoretically waited that out and tried to put itself in the same perspective. Instead, they have bungled their way into a full-blown potential rebellion. We're trying to reach out for this guy, Jeff, uh, Jeff Snook, right? Yeah, I'm on it. I'm already sending an email to him. All right, so we're trying to get him on. I'd love to hear him directly lay out what he is hearing. But again, potential rebellion in the Big 12. We will discuss. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. I am Clay Travis. When we come back, Jeff Schwartz is going to join us. And by the way, as we go to break, go sign up for Outkick VIP. Right now, you go sign up for Outkick VIP. You get an autographed copy of my book. You get the ability to comment on all of our articles. You heard already the Outkick VIP phone line. When we open up phone lines, you can call directly, jump to the front of the line. You can uh, have your access to message board for VIP-only members. And, and this is pretty cool, you get access to Zoom calls with Jason Whitlock and myself just for the VIPs where you can ask questions and interact with us. It's a great value, $99 for the year, $12.99 a month if you want to check it out on a month-by-month basis. And oh, by the way, oh, by the way, Jason Whitlock, great job last night on Tucker Carlson's show on Fox News, as many of you saw. You can go check out what Jason Whitlock had to say on Tucker Carlson last night at outkick.com. When we come back, Jeff Schwartz, former Pac-12 player, what does he think about the Big Ten Rebellion, we will discuss. This is Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. And you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. 
Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. we got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying, flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini-games like Digging for Treasure or a Robot Pachinko Machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! What's the secret to catching prize-worthy fish in exotic waters? Learning to fish like a local with Fishing Booker. Hey, Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. There's only one way to turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day, and that's with the valuable knowledge of a local guide. With FishingBooker.com, you have the world's largest booking platform of local fishing guides right at your fingertips. Use Fishing Booker's easy-to-use online booking system and discover thousands of local fishing charters from around the world ready to share their tricks of the trade. Create your perfect fishing experience and search for charters by location, species, salt versus freshwater, and more. Plus, it's smooth sailing with Fishing Booker's simple online payment method. You'll always fish with confidence when you start fishing like a local. Start your angling adventure now with Fishing Booker. Visit FishingBooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Bridgestone tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended and installer near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerackcom sports to see their bridgestone test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerackcom sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be we are rolling through the program. We're going to go in the next segment down to the bubble in Orlando to talk with Chris Mannix, Sports Illustrated reporter, about the Lakers' loss as well as the Bucks' loss, uh, two number one seeds in the East and West both going down yesterday in the NBA playoffs. But now we are uh, pleased to be joined by the governor of Tennessee, Bill Lee. Governor, appreciate you starting off the morning early with us. Uh, you ready for some football in the uh, state of Tennessee? <laughs> yes, sir. I sure do hope so. We're doing everything, everything we can to make that happen. I saw yesterday you had uh, Phil Fulmer, the current AD of the University of Tennessee and the national championship winning coach, as well as the chancellor of Tennessee for a uh, press conference uh, about the status of uh, college football, SEC in particular, in the state. 
What can you tell us? I know that Fulmer said that he hoped there were going to be 25% or was planning on around 25% of fans uh, in attendance for those games. You've already had a big event at Bristol, so I want to start there. Uh, A lot of fans showed up at Bristol. uh, I think 20% of the attendance that was allowed for a NASCAR event. And uh, it seemed as if that event came off in a positive way and there was no outbreak. Did that sort of teach you that sports with some crowds present, socially distant, wearing masks are, pop, are possible. Yeah, you know, we, um, we all know that part of navigating our way through this pandemic is to figure out how it is we can do the things that matter to us and the things that are incredibly important and yet do it in a way that's safe. So we did um, a NASCAR race in Bristol, and I went up there. I, got, I had the privilege of kind of gentlemen start your engines roll, but – I wanted to see how we could do it, and there were some 30,000 fans, I think, um, spread out in that event, and they had, you know, the NASCAR did a really good job, very clear um, guidelines about how the thing was going to happen, and it was a great event. Fans had a great time uh, televised, of course, so so fans across the country could watch it, and then two or three weeks later, the, the health department's came out and said, look, there were no connected cases to that particular event. So we we saw a great example of how it can be done. Um, I'm really impressed with the way University of Tennessee has developed a plan. They, they, they know exactly what they want to do. They have worked with, in fact, had conversations and looked at the way Bristol did their event. Uh, the SEC, of course, has been really thoughtful. Part, part of what the SEC's done is said, let's go really slowly. Let's take our time. Let's make decisions based on what we know. A, a real thoughtful approach to this. And um, and that's kind of how, how you have to do it in an unprecedented situation where you don't know exactly what's going to happen. you got to take it very slowly and thoughtfully. And that's what's happened. So, um, yeah, Coach Fulmer was there yesterday. He talked a little bit about their plan. Um, 25% or it wasn't clear for certain what those numbers are going to be, but that's the plan they're headed toward. And that's, you know, that's exciting. Would you go uh, as a governor, you said you went to Bristol to make sure and see how the event went down up there with 30,000 fans present for a NASCAR event. Would you go to Knoxville? Let's say, uh, I think the opener would theoretically be, October 3rd for Tennessee against Missouri, if I'm not mistaken. Would you feel comfortable going up there? I know you've got four kids with your family and watching a game in Neyland based on the protocols that you saw at NASCAR. Oh, yeah. I'm not, I wouldn't just, I wouldn't be comfortable. I'd be excited about it. Yes, sir. I think, um, you know, this whole approach to how we maintain uh, livelihoods of people and life, lives of people and and yet pr- provide for the public safety of people. It's kind of protect your lives of Tennesseans and protect their livelihoods as well. And and frankly, college football is in, in large part a livelihood, future livelihood for a lot of these kids. Um, it's an, it is very impactful to a community. So in the same way that we need to learn how to open businesses safely and open schools safely and uh, allow athletes to play safely. Uh, I, I think we need to move that direction, and, I, and I'd be excited to be there. Yes, sir. 
uh, I know you went to Auburn. What is it like to be an Auburn Tiger fan but be the governor of Tennessee? <laughs> I usually just talk about what I think about the University of Alabama's football team. <laughs> <laughs> that unites that unites everybody. Yes, that's a good that line. Yes, together. We, we it's a, you know in politics, I like to say uh, let's talk about what what we have a lot more that we agree upon than what we disagree upon. Let's talk about those things. We went out to dinner, uh, you and me and Jason Whitlock and your chief of staff, Blake. I mean, we had a really good conversation about sports and the impact that, that, that we could have uh, in terms of getting back to some form of normalcy. And you said uh, something that I thought was really interesting. You, uh, I think, turned to your wife because you were watching an old uh, Auburn football game and you said, man, we got to have SEC football this fall or else you're just going to be watching me sit around and watch a lot more old Auburn football games. Uh, and so it got me wondering, where were you for the kick six? And is that the greatest moment of your life as a sports fan? <laughs> I, uh, uh, my wife is going to, uh, she's going to single-handedly get football going. It's up to her because <laughs> anything that will keep me from doing that. Uh, yeah. So I gave my tickets. I had, I had some really great tickets for that game and I gave them to my boys. Um, they were, my boys both went to Auburn and so tickets were hard to come by and uh, we had a big family gathering. It happens at Thanksgiving. We had 20 people at our house. And so I gave my tickets to my boys and I, you know what? I'm kind of glad I have, I don't know if it's you, but when you're a parent, sometimes you get a lot more pleasure out of watching your kids have an experience Amen. than you having it. So yes. nothing more fun for me than knowing they were there. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. Uh, my nine-year-old is uh, – my kids are all, I think, going to be pretty good sports fans, but my nine-year-old is is a monster sports fan. So we went down to the Alabama-LSU game last year, Governor, uh, and we're talking to the governor of Tennessee, Bill Lee, and I've never been more proud of him. So he was rooting for Alabama. He's 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 turned into an Alabama fan, which uh, I think both of us, we may need to have an intervention with him and, and convince him that he's going down the wrong path in life. I'm already a little bit nervous about that, to be honest. Uh, but he wanted to go to a game of Brian Denny, so we went down to Tuscaloosa. We watched that game, and uh, he handled the loss pretty well. It was obviously a great game between Alabama and LSU. And then we were driving back, and I said, okay, you get to pick anything you want to do for the rest of the day. You know, it's, I don't know, 7 o'clock, something like that. And he said, Dad, I want to go. Uh, I said, we need dinner anywhere you want. You know, we were staying in a hotel right north of Birmingham. And he said, I know where I want to go, Dad. And I said, okay, where do you want to go? He said, I want to go get fried chicken at Bojangles. And then next door, there is a Taco Bell. And I want to go get tacos. And then I want to go back to our hotel room <laughs> and eat Taco Bell and Bojangles and watch college football the rest of the night. And I said, this is a proud moment for a dad because I can't think of any better way to, to spend an evening than when your nine-year-old says, hey, dad, let's go get fried chicken and tacos and watch college football for the rest of the night. Uh, so he's well on his exactly. way to do it well. My boys, when my, yeah, when my boys are at the kick six, I, I think the best fun for me was kind of the same thing. Y'all come back and tell me what that was like. Yeah. I want to hear you explain what was the best uh, football game you've been to. So, yeah. yeah you know, you, you mentioned LSU and Alabama and Auburn, and certainly the University of Tennessee is our flagship institution here, and it's the fan base is incredible. And, you know, I grew up with that all around me. It's a remarkable um, it's a remarkable thing to see people come together, but it, it's the SEC and 
SEC is an incredible conference, and they got powerful schools. It was a big part of the fall. I mean, you think about how disappointing it would be if we didn't have football, and that's part of the reason that I advocate for this, not just, you know, because I love college football, but because people have to have things in their life. Uh, it's healthy, right, mentally and every other way, to just have things to be hopeful about. We're in the midst of tremendous chaos and or, or at least – struggle in this country, some some very powerful and positive direction struggle, but we've got economic collapse, we've got a pandemic, we've got social unrest. People need some things to be excited about, hopeful for, uh, to see something of the future that they, you know, believe is going to happen. We're encouraged about the direction that COVID is taking, in fact, in our state right now. And I think states around the country are starting to go maybe we're making, uh, you know, maybe this thing's going in the right direction, and we certainly know there's going to be a an ultimate sort of cure for all of this. But in the meantime, you know, we need Friday night football for high school uh, kids to be excited about and, and communities to be hopeful for. And we need college football. We need NASCAR. We need pro football. We need things that are – uh, that are going to give us hope, but look, we got to do it safely. We're we're in a pandemic. There is it's a false choice to say, you know, having these things is unsafe and not having them is safe. That that's a false choice. We're in the middle of a pandemic that has a lot of medical risk associated to it. So the choice is to move forward, but to do so in a way like they did up at NASCAR. Do so in a way that's safe, that allows for fans to participate, and gives people hope that we got some good days ahead of us. We're talking to Governor Bill Lee uh, from Tennessee. Appreciate him getting up early to start the day with us. You mentioned a bunch of other different schools. Let's stay in the South in particular. There are 11 states with SEC institutions in them. Uh, we've had the governor of Florida on, uh, Ron DeSantis. He said he supports ACC, SEC games in his state. He wants to see it happen. We had the governor of Texas on, uh, and he said he wants the Big 12 and the SEC to be playing. They're ready for college football there. I believe the governor of Georgia has said it as well. You obviously are coming on now with us and, and saying it also. Have you had any other conversations with other governors in sort of the SEC footprint or maybe beyond about college football and the importance of it being played? Well, I've actually spoken to a couple of those that you've talked about. Um, I think Tate Reese too has talked about in Mississippi has talked about um how he thinks we ought to move forward with this. I actually had you know, every week I have a phone call with a group of governors from around the country. Um and and some of those are in the Big Ten, some of those are in the SEC. They're they're actually they're from all around the country. And we had a interesting conversation. This was probably two weeks ago about whether or not we ought to have college football more. It was just what, what direction are your individual conferences going? So um, generally, you know, people want this to move forward, but um, I mean, you got different things going on in different States. So, you know, it's different across the country. We've already seen that a couple of conferences decide they're not going to do it. But I think uh, across the South, there's a pretty uh, there's a pretty strong belief that this would be good for us and that it would be good for our economies that it would be good for our citizenry that it would be uh, 
that would be good for the South, but it would also be important for us to do this in a way that doesn't mitigate or doesn't, you know, worsen our efforts. Because all of us are working incredibly hard, making really hard choices, doing really, really hard things. All of us, I'm talking about people out there making decisions to be individually responsible, to do all the things they got to do to navigate through this safely and protect their neighbors and protect the elderly. And we've all been through a lot and we got to continue to kind of double down on that so we can uh, get this behind us. But I think there's a pretty broad agreement uh, among the governors I've talked to that this would be something that's good for our communities. Talking to the governor of Tennessee, Bill Lee, appreciate him getting up early with us. Um, governor, one of the things that's interesting is cities, counties can do different things than the overall state can. And so yesterday on the same day that the University of Tennessee announces that they're hoping to have 25% fans present for their home opener on October 3rd, the Tennessee Titans say they're not going to have fans present for their first home game, their only home game in September. Would you hope to see the Titans eventually be able to have fans as well? And what's the process by which that decision is made for people out there who are curious, maybe the different decisions that can be made for playing the same sport, but different venues, different cities inside the same state? Yeah, I hope there's one game that the Titans don't allow fans for, and that's the one they've already announced that it's not going to be able to happen. Um, yeah, we have, you know, the, the way it works in our state is that uh, local authorities, local municipalities, local mayors have been given uh, a lot of discretion as to and and have authority as to uh, what happens in individual communities. A lot of that has to do with the health departments uh, and who operates the health departments, the state directed in 89 of 95 counties in our state. So there's some nuances to states about how authority around health decisions are made in individual communities. That's why you can see in in uh, at the University of Tennessee or Bristol or other venues, you might have an in-person event. And then in Nashville, um, the authority in Nashville that makes decisions around health said that they didn't think it was appropriate to play that game, at least in the month of September. So, But I suspect that will change. I hope it does. I sure do. Uh, not only do I want to go to Neyland Stadium and watch a game there, but I'd like to I'd like to go to the Titans game too. Last question for you: My kids uh, are in school now in person, so thanks for everything you have done to help make that happen. All three of them will be in school in person on Monday. I've got, as I told you uh, at dinner, I've got a 12-year-old, a 9-year-old, and a 5-year-old, 7th grader, 4th grader, kindergartner. They matter more to me than anything. Like, your kids matter more to you than anything. You're talking about your kids being at the kick six. How important is it to you that kids be back physically present in school sooner rather than later across the whole state? I think it's very important. I think the CDC thinks it's important. They've said it that American Academy of Pediatrics says it's important, but I think it's important. And, and most importantly, parents think it's important. Um, I, I'm a strong believer that parents know best what their kids uh, need. 
and including education and the vast number of parents in our state want their kids to be in school. They know uh, the the facts around COVID. They know what exists out there. We've had this for six months and people know where we are with that. And they know the efforts that are being made. So parents strongly believe kids should be in school. But here's another thing. Kids statistically, academically perform better. So not only is in-person learning the right thing to do for kids, and every day they're out of the classroom, they're getting further and further behind it. And I don't want the children of our state to get behind. That it, it, it impacts a generation of kids. It impacts a state's future, quite frankly. So academically, but then you've got a bunch of kids, tens of thousands of kids in our state that have access to services in school that they don't get otherwise, nutrition mental health services. Uh, kids with disabilities get get services in school that they, they really need. You know, child abuse reporting, the reports of child abuse in our state have gone down 27% since the schools have closed. I don't think that's because child abuse has gone down. I think it's because teachers who love and teach their kids and look out for them uh, are the greatest reporting mechanism for that. So, there's real danger. You know, people talk, again, you, you, there's this false choice that staying home for kids is safe and going to school is unsafe. I, I think that's an incorrect assessment. I think there's a lot of danger and a lot of uncertainty associated with kids staying home, especially a lot of them whose parents need and have to go to work. And the challenge is left with that. So I'm a strong believer kids ought to be in school. We're doing everything we can. Let me say one other thing. I want to uh, I, I commend the vast number of teachers. First of all, I commend teachers, every teacher, for the hard work that they got to do. The vast number of them want to get back in the classroom and teach these kids. It's why in our state we have uh, spent tens of millions of dollars in providing for personal protective equipment. We, we sent out 80,000 packets, one for every classroom in the, in the state, of gowns and masks and gloves and space shields and disinfectant so teachers would have the equipment that they need to provide for a safe environment in their schools. We're committed to the safety of our teachers and our kids, but we're most committed to making sure that our kids in Tennessee need what their parents believe they need, and that's uh, that's in-person instruction. So we're headed that direction for most of our districts. And here's the other thing about about parental choice: any child in the state of Tennessee, any parent in the state of Tennessee that doesn't believe it's safe, has the option to go. Uh, to remote learning. We've made that available in every district and every school. So you can choose online if you want to, or you can send your kid to the classroom. Great stuff. I know I said last question, but high school football in the state of Tennessee begins on Friday for many schools across the state. How important is that? Yeah, I'm kind of excited about that too. Uh, I think it's important for a lot of the same sort of sociological reasons I talked about a while ago, but um, communities communities want that to happen. If parents and kids want to be on the football field, then they ought to be. And we can do that safely, too. We worked really strongly and closely with our governing agency here, the Tennessee Secondary School Athletic Association, TSSAA. They're the governing body for high school sports. They put out a very 
uh, a very detailed and um, you know a very strict guidance on how it is that high school football can move forward with respect to um, guidance around the athletes themselves, around fans in the stadium, how many people and distancing and masks and that sort of thing. So again, we can we can do things if we move thoughtfully and if we're very careful about them and we walk forward in a way that protects the physical lives and the health of our people and at the same time protects our livelihoods and our ways of life. Governor, look forward to seeing you in a college and NFL and maybe high school football stadium this fall and uh, keep up the good work. Thank you, Clay. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. And you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. we got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock, and there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini-games like Digging for Treasure or a Robot Pachinko Machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! What's the secret to catching prize-worthy fish in exotic waters? Learning to fish like a local with Fishing Booker. Hey, Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. There's only one way to turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day, and that's with the valuable knowledge of a local guide. With FishingBooker.com, you have the world's largest booking platform of local fishing guides right at your fingertips. Use Fishing Booker's easy-to-use online booking system and discover thousands of local fishing charters from around the world ready to share their tricks 
tricks of the trade. Create your perfect fishing experience and search for charters by location, species, salt versus freshwater, and more. Plus, it's smooth sailing with Fishing Booker's simple online payment method. You'll always fish with confidence when you start fishing like a local. Start your angling adventure now with Fishing Booker. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Goodyear tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended installer near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerackcom sports to see their goodyear test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerackcom sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be we're headed right down to Orlando, where our NBA insider, Chris Mannix, is waiting for us. Chris, I stayed up late to watch. I know you were there as well. First of all, for somebody who covers the NBA, is the bubble, now that the playoffs are going, the greatest thing that's ever existed in your life, that you don't have to get on an airplane, you don't have to go anywhere, you can walk from one gym to another, and you're able to see everybody playing all in one physical location? Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. I mean, I spent Monday, you know, walking between two arenas that were, you know, no further than a football field apart to go to four NBA playoff games. And it's the kind of thing we'll probably uh, never see happen again. And, you know, it's funny. I was sitting there um, at these games, and there are a lot of empty seats, you know, probably a, a few dozen that are along the the opposite of the the player benches and they're reserved for you know whether it's coaches from other teams players from other teams they're allowed to come in and and watch but you know for the most part they're they're empty and i i couldn't help but think i mean you could probably charge the uber wealthy like oh my god million dollars for a credential for this like and and you know the, the la times ran a story about jimmy goldstein the real estate developer who is well known for being at uh, every NBA game he could possibly get to in the playoffs. It made me think, like, how much would guys like that pay to get access to this type of uh, a bubble? It is pretty remarkable. And sometimes I know even though people like you and me can get jaded because everybody's job, it doesn't matter what the job is, sometimes there are things you don't love about it. But there are certainly times, and I'm sure this is one of them, where you have to kind of pinch yourself and think if you could go back in time and talk to 10-year-old Chris Mannix and say, hey, mm. one day, kid, you're going to grow up and you're going to get to go watch four NBA playoff games from a front row seat um, and you're going to get paid to do it, uh, that ain't a bad gig to have. So uh, let's dive into uh, these games that are going on right now. What did we learn? And I'm obviously going to start with the Lakers. Did we learn more about the Lakers or the Blazers? And I have to give you credit because you started coming on this show the minute that they gave out the the brackets uh, and said, hey, we're going to have these eight play-in games and this is the way it's going to work. And this is, you said, look out for the Trailblazers. They're getting healthy. They're now sitting up 1-0. And to me, Chris, when I watch this game, 
the Blazers looked like they expected to win. Like, even Dame Lillard, the way he played down the stretch, it was like he was pacing himself in the second and third quarter so that he had the gas to go hard in the fourth quarter when it was winning time. What did we learn from this game? What should uh, Laker fans take away? What should Blazer fans take away? And what should NBA fans take away? Yeah, there's there's no happy to be here for the Blazers. I mean, remember, this is a Western Conference finalist last year that the only reason they were not inside the top five this year is because a rash of injuries to their front court happened. And those injuries, as we know, are gone. I mean, Yusuf Berkic is back. Zach Collins out right now, but he'll be back. Um, they, they play with an extreme level of confidence. And, you know, for the Lakers, this is kind of a perfect storm of bad events. I mean, you get that number one seed, and not only because of the pandemic do you not have the advantage of playing at Staples Center, but you play what I think is the best eight seed in NBA history. So, you know, watching that game last night, um, the Blazers played like they play. I mean, Lillard did pace himself early on, but just took off in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, their, their perimeter shooters played pretty well down the stretch. But the Lakers, to me, have to be concerned what they're doing. I mean, this is now the ninth game in this uh, bubble where the Lakers haven't shot the ball well. I mean, this is not a a new thing for L.A. to go, what was it, 5 for 32 or whatever it was from three. They haven't shot well from beyond the arc at all. I mean, and Danny Green, his struggles were ongoing throughout the bubble. Catavius Caldwell-Pope, same thing. There was optimism that Kyle Kuzma would be uh, a more of a factor because he shot 44% from three in the first eight games, but he goes out and in his first playoff game lays an egg in this one. So if you're the Lakers... Uh, if you're not going to get your shot right, you're not winning the series. It's as simple as that. I mean, you know, they can dominate in, on the interior. LeBron had a historic game. But if you're going to shoot anything close to that percentage, you're not winning this series. What I took away, Chris, is LeBron really couldn't play any better, right? As bad as the Lakers shot, I mean, if they had shot decently, he would have had over 20 assists. So they got at LeBron James's A game. And the Blazers handled LeBron James's A game and still found a way to win. And one reason I think is, look, LeBron and AD may be the two best players in the playoffs for all we know uh, on any team. But if you look at Nurkic, if you look at Lillard, you look at McCollum, and honestly, if you look at Carmelo, the Blazers feel like they have, at least based on I've watched almost every game they've played in the bubble so far, and they've now played 10 if my math is right, uh, or 9 if my math is right. They feel like they can go out, I guess it's 10, they can go out and have any any one of those guys score 20, and ultimately the Lakers have two guys that can score consistently 20. Yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's dead on. You know, and LeBron said this recently, that Kyle Kuzma needs to be their third best player for that team to win a championship. And, you know, you can, you know, stretch it out and say he needs to be the third best player for them to win a first round series. Now you mentioned the game that LeBron played. Um, I don't know that he can play better, but I think he may have to play differently. There have been times in LeBron's career. And I think it was most glaring in 2013 in the playoffs moves with Miami when Dwayne Wade was injury ravaged. Chris Bosh wasn't playing well, where he just converted his game. When I say that, I mean he went from being a playmaker to a scorer. He kind of channeled his early Cleveland days and just went out there and controlled the game offensively. If LeBron can't trust his teammates to make open shots, 
he may have to do that. He may have to go out there and say, I need to score 40. I need to get to the free throw line 10 to 15 times. I need to control the pace of this game so that we're not missing threes and it's not turning into another three on the other end of the floor. That, to me, is something worth watching as this series progresses. Does he continue to be the point guard facilitator we saw from him in game one and we've seen from him really throughout this season when Frank Vogel named him basically their point guard? Or because of the Lakers' inconsistencies from beyond the arc, does he say, screw it, I'll get the ball to Anthony Davis when he's open, but when he's not, I'm going at Carmelo Anthony. I'm going at Gary Trent. I'm going at Mario Azonia, and I'm taking them out. Like that, that to me, you know, that that conversion, does he make that? That's one of the big things to watch. Should the Lakers still be favored in this series in your mind? Yes, but it's by the most marginal amount. I mean, I, you just, as bad as they are shooting the ball, they had so many open looks. I mean, Danny Green was missing but he was wide open. And I've seen Danny Green play in the last few postseasons, and he has been excellent throughout. Kuzma, wide open for most of those shots. As I said, 44% for three in the seeding games. Maybe he gets a game under his belt in the playoffs, gets those jitters out of the way, and he performs better. So I think that the Lakers should be favored, but you know, they have to play a lot better for them to win. The Bucks also lost. Ordinarily, in the NBA postseason, we'd be like, well, there goes home court advantage, and game two would be like, hey, you can't lose the first two and still win this series. But all bets are kind of off, it feels like to me, with things in the bubble. You're watching those games in person. Is there going to be any kind of different feel at all, or is every game basically a neutral site game, and so the idea of even thinking about who's the higher seed makes zero sense at all. Yeah, I don't think there's any advantage whatsoever. I mean, NBA players are not going to be distracted by a digital defense drumbeat. Like, that's really the only advantage that that you have during a game. And, you know, fans are, the virtual fans are fine, but whatever, the crowd noise is minimal in the arena at best. Um, so it's it's not any kind of advantage that really affects a team I think like Milwaukee, which you know feeds off that crowd to play up tempo and to turn defense into offense as much as any team in the league. And you know we talk about the Lakers and how nervous they should be. I think the Bucks should be a lot more more anxious now that you can look at Orlando and they won Game One against the Raptors last year, and then they got the blown out. But the Bucks they had before the pandemic hit a historically good defense. Like, they were leading the NBA by the widest margin ever in points per 100 possessions. They've come into the bubble, and their defensive rating is 10 points higher. It's it's just absurdly – the difference is, is significant. And they went out again and allowed Orlando to shoot like 40% from three and 50% from the floor. These are not – just like with the Lakers shooting, this is not a one-off. This is a trend with Milwaukee. And, and hearing Mike Budenholzer – after that game, say, you know, our effort just isn't there. Our aggressiveness isn't there. You've been here for a month. Like, where is that effort? Where is that aggressiveness? I mean, this team is not good enough, you know, 1 through 10, to be able to just sleepwalk through a series, even against one, against a team like Orlando. Giannis is great, but the rest of that team is not. So I, I'm probably more concerned right now about Milwaukee than I am about the Lakers. 
Uh, we're talking to Chris Mannix. He's down at the NBA bubble. Every team you now have had the opportunity to watch play, all 16 in the first round of the NBA. We talked a lot about now uh, what happened with the Bucks. We've talked a little bit about certainly what happened with the Lakers. What else stood out to you big picture on the NBA's first round, first game playoff situation? Now, Toronto was great. That, that's right off the bat. I mean, I've been preaching the Raptors for the last couple of weeks now. I haven't watched them. They're as locked in as they can get. You know, they hammered the Nets, and they've been playing, what, like 8-1 and one basketball in the bubble, and Pascal Siakam hasn't even shown up yet. And he's, you know, their number one guy, and he's played, you know, pretty poorly or at least mediocre uh, for most of this. And that's got to be really encouraging for Toronto as they uh, move this thing forward. Watching Houston last night play, I mean, I- I've been saying they're the wildest of wild cards because if you can if you can beat them up on the inside, you have a chance to dominate them, but if you can't, They'll just rain three-pointers down on you, and that's exactly what they did uh, last night with with uh, Russell Westbrook out of the lineup. I think one of the big storylines to come out of the first couple of days, though, was the injury to Gordon Hayward. I mean, this guy, he, he can't catch a break. You know, two years ago, his ankle you know, twists the other way, and then you know, in game one of this playoff series, one where Boston figures to be a team that is going to make a run this postseason, he twists another ankle, and he could be out for a month, if not longer. And when he gets back, who knows you know, how fast it's going to take him to get back into form. So you know, the Celtics uh, might have, have blown their chance to, uh, to compete for at least the conference championship because they're looking at that second-round matchup uh, with Toronto. And as I said, Toronto is playing just the best of anybody out here. Chris Mannix, enjoy the games tonight. We'll talk to you again next week. Uh, and uh, enjoy just the, the cornucopia of basketball excess you've got <laughs> down there in the bubble. You got it, Clay. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. What kind of fun is waiting for you at King's Island? The holy cow, we're way too high and here comes the drop kind of fun. The make a splash all summer kind of fun. The I can't believe I ate that whole funnel cake. Let's get another kind of fun. But most importantly, at King's Island, you'll find for the fun of it kind of fun. Don't wait to start your fun season. King's Island is now open on weekends.